Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hey! What's just lying around shit? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! And it ain't over now. Welcome to the Mazad Cast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazadcast, the only Tiger football podcast on the web, at least as far as we know. My name is Brendan Anthony. And I'm your host, and with me is Colin Anthony, four-year director of player personnel for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome, Colin. Nice to be here. Thanks. And not with us today is Brian Goers, who's a regular co-host, but he came down with a torn labia, so he won't be in this week. <laughs> so um, what is the Mazadcast? It's much like what you might hear on TV or radio, a football analysis, except that since we're a podcast, we're not censored. So we can say um, basically whatever we want, much like you would talking about sports around the bar or around your barbecue grill at home, unlike the unnatural television talking heads you see all the time on ESPN. So, for example, um, Colin, ask me what I thought about Andrew Baggett's kicking this week. Brendan, what did you think about uh, Andrew Baggett's kicking this week? Good question. Thanks for asking. Um, I thought he kicked like dog shit, Colin. Dog shit. <laughs> See? See? I like, enjoy that word. Yeah, I, I got to say it's dog shit. Words. Yeah, it's true. You can say dog on the radio. Um, <laughs> so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to have a, um, a few segments. We're going to talk about this week's game against South Dakota State. Missouri beat the, the South Dakota The Jackrabbits of South Dakota State. I'll tell you the one thing I like about the football championship series. The, uh, the nicknames are a little nicer. I, I love my Tigers, but there are three friggin' Tigers in this SEC alone. It's a little tired. Yeah, the uh, their their names are a little bit more like you would find in like minor league baseball teams, like the Mudcats. Well, we were playing the Toledo Rockets next week, and uh, the Rockets, I got to say, they're a little bit more intimidating than than the Jackrabbits. But I'm I'm kind of a fan. We'll get to that. Okay. So anyway, let's get to the game. Missouri beat the Jackrabbits, thirty-eight to eighteen. It was. Uh, not a wonderful performance, but it was a win, and we'll take it. You know, it was week one, and we knew that there were going to be a lot of challenges for the Tigers because they've lost a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. But um, they got off to a really hot start. There was a, the first drive of the game. Matty Mock connected with Darius White in the end zone and did it again in the second drive. Yeah, based on the first quarter, you would have thought, well, this game's going to be 85-7. to seven. That's right, and the only reason the seven was because of a defensive slip-up where the first play from scrimmage, the, the Jackrabbits 
ran for 73 yards for well, a touchdown. Well, it was a slip-up as much. I mean, was, they basically fucked up the snap. The The only reason that ball didn't go flying into the backfield for Mizzou to recover and score a touchdown on is the running back happened to be right there. Shithouse luck catches it off the front of his helmet and runs it 75 yards. But uh, I don't think they could draw it up that way or repeat that play um, <laughs> anymore this season. So No, and I don't think it's anything to worry about either because the rest of the game, the the – rushing defense was strong um that i think that was the supposed to be one of the stronger points of the and i, I apologize in advance for not being um an expert on south dakota state football um, nor am i nor am i well i didn't want you to admit it but um so we don't have in the house a south dakota state football expert but anyway there i don't think there's such a thing okay. <laughs> the running game was supposed to be one of their strengths and other than that big slip up at the beginning of the game um, we held them my big concern was Missouri secondary um, we lost three or our four starters in the secondary and we've got freshmen and sophomores replacing them and they seem to be exposed a little bit yeah they're um i don't know i i would say i would gauge most of their play somewhere between abhorrent and terrible but I temper that because they are so young and you feel like they've got uh, got some learning to do. This is the first game. So, of course, they're young and they're going to be bad. It's the first game. They're not so much rusty as just completely inexperienced at uh, doing it. So, And, you know, you lose people like Gaines who are you know now going to be playing on Sunday. And, uh, you know, you can't be that guy. Yeah, and it's a soft. And it is week one for these kids, so you know it's, I'm always glad to get these sort of bumps out of the way in a game against South Dakota State, unlike uh, some of our other conference opponents who really went into the action hot and heavy. With like, um, so, so I've got a question for you. That so, Matty Mock throws two touchdowns to White, and is White going to be something special this year? Or was that complete anomaly, flash in the pan? He happens to catch the first two touchdowns of the season. It looks awesome. You're like, well, who, who the fuck needs DGB? We've got this guy, Darius White. Is that is that something we should be excited about? Well, you know, and I honestly, I don't think Darius White is as good as, at, at smoking pot as Doriel Green Beckham was. Well, few are. Yeah, I mean, he was one of our finest in that regard. <laughs> um, but the problem with White that I see is that he only shows up. Well, this isn't so much a problem. Only shows up to catch touchdowns. His number did not get called the rest of the game after that second not long tele- TD catch. Did not have a single other catch. And uh, and he's a senior. And of of those guys, he's got some of the fewest receptions. Um, when when they went to him, he looked really good. But I don't know. I think time will tell on that. Maddie Mock is going to have to find out who his go-to guys are. I think what we're really going to see is probably Jimmy Hunt and Bud Sasser be the go-to guys. But there's a number of, of younger players who could step up. White could be one of those, and I hope he is because we need we need more options, you know, including tight ends. That's a that's an option we haven't looked at last year because we had those gigantic tall wideouts. But um, you know, it's we're going to have to mix it up a little bit. We're a different looking team. Well, and I think that we could certainly be we could use uh, the running backs more. I, I you know, it's with Pinkle, you always wonder how much you're actually going to use your running backs. I mean, not that he doesn't use them, but, you know, his offense is one that's usually a little bit pass-heavy, and we've got two really good running backs right now, at least it would appear so. Yeah, Hansborough and Murphy both look very strong. They certainly looked to be way more than the, than the uh, Jackrabbits could handle. But but back to the where, you know, we kind of left off at, after the first quarter, boom of points. It's 21-7 at the end of the, ha- at the quarter. And then uh, Missouri went ice cold in the second quarter and well into the third. 
it was it was really disconcerting to see the offense sputter against what it would think would be inferior talent. Um, yeah, so after the first quarter, 217 yards on 23 pay on 23 plays, uh, the rest of the game 176 yards on 37 plays. Yeah, and and I would be willing to bet that a good portion of those uh, yards that came after the first quarter came in the fourth quarter because that's when Missouri seemed to finally wake up again. Um, they really got saved after the the um, Jackrabbits came within 21 to 18. Uh, Marcus Murphy returning a kick 100 yards for He's a touchdown. He's really fast, by the way. I just want to add that. Yeah, that's analysis. good analysis. You're not going to get that kind of analysis on either ESPN or the SEC network. Um, I thank you for it. He's really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus Murphy, six yards per carry. Uh, Russell Hansborough, uh, 6.3 yards per carry. I couldn't live with that. Mm-hmm. And um, and then, you know, Murphy also, he lines up a wide receiver, and he's our special teams guy as well. He's really versatile. We're going to lean really heavy on him this year. So, um, so Murphy had the... Run back for a touchdown. We. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tacked on another one to make it 38, or let's see, yeah, we tacked on another one and got the uh, the late field goal by Baggett. That's something we didn't talk about. Andrew Baggett. He's a Baggett of shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a play on words. So, um, yeah, he missed a short one. I think it was 34 yards early. Uh, very reminiscent of the overtime for the South Carolina game um, where we all learned to hate Baggett. And uh, the thing is, the kid has got the leg. He can boot it. And when he's when he's um, on kickoffs, he, he does. He'll routinely kick it in the back of the end zone. He's just a head case. Yeah, I... Yeah. So... That's the now I'm going to get... That's more uh, keen analysis. Ugh. Well, that's how te- I feel about Baggett. It's technical talk. So he missed a second one. That was a 50-yarder, maybe. It was a, 
yeah, I think it was 50 yards. Now I'd read in the paper where that, that, that wasn't, they said, Oh, the second kick, you can't really fault him for that one. It was a long one. Anything over 45, you know, is, is, is hit or miss, but I do fault him for it because I watched that kick and it barely made it into the end zone. It had, it was so weak. I, he, he clearly just must misstruck it because he's got the leg and it, that was an awful kick. And it didn't matter that it was 50 well, yards. He kicked at this it level. I mean, you really just like, oh, these guys, you know, if it's not over 35 yards, who, you know, fuck that. It's the SEC. It's Division One college football. I mean, I'm not, not saying everybody should be nailing 50-yard kicks, but just be like, ah, oh, that doesn't – don't worry about that. Well, you don't want to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Field goal. Well, and, and as we saw last year, the kicking game, a lot of times their games come down to it. And I'll be honest, you know, I didn't play high school football. I don't know where these kickers come from, if they're often soccer players or where we recruit them. Uh, but there must be not that much talent in the country available because, you know, I feel like we'd replace Baggett if we had our hands on some guy. And, you know. Well, what was that? What, which team was it that pulled some kid out of the stands and literally he kicked for him the rest of the year? Oh, was it Texas Tech a couple years ago? Like literally kicked at some halftime event and um, it was that uh, Texas Tech's old coach, what was his name? He was such a weirdo and uh, you, you know. Strange guy. And Bud Coxlobber? <laughs> no, he plays coach like a Washington or something now. Uh, God damn. Sorry. Texas Tech had this super offense with Crabtree uh, when he was still playing. Anyway. You're asking a lot of questions I don't know the answer to. <laughs> so. I'm sure listeners will. But um, anyway, uh, they literally pulled a kid out of the stands, and he became their kicker. So I think that uh, kind of answers the question of, is there a lot of talent? Like, fuck no, there's not. There's probably a, a soccer player in every high school in the nation that could kick better than Baggett. At least from what he's shown so far. Yeah, and so, I mean, kind of sum up the game, uh, the highs and lows of it. Uh, Murphy and Hansborough, I think, were the definite pluses of the, uh, of the the for the Tigers. They looked very strong. They routinely broke off 15, 20-yard runs. Murphy, of course, had the run back for um, a touchdown. I think the, um, the offensive line, for the most part, looked good, or at least early in the first half and into the second half. There were a couple of passing plays where Mock had all day to throw the ball. Uh, you know, they're not going to get that kind of uh, time against some of our better opponents, but it, it was good to see. On the negative side, I think, um, you secondary. know, secondary was poor. Um, I don't think it's too much of a negative. We knew that the wide receiving core wasn't going to be as strong or as experienced as last year, but drop balls, you know, no go-to guy. Mock didn't have a ton of passing yards other than the big plays. Um, so I wouldn't call those negatives so much. It's just things we knew we needed to work on going in. And, you know, they, they displayed themselves in week one. I'm not sold on mock yet. I mean, I, you know, he, he had a, he had a really nice audition for a young quarterback last year uh, when Franklin went out and then he, he looked, he threw three touchdowns um, for the game, but he ultimately only he threw for less than 200 yards. And, Boy, the second and third quarter where he just, well, the Tigers' offense in general just disappeared. That's what worried me. And like I said, I, I'm chalking it up to jitters, uh, you know, first game jitters. Because, God, you cannot you cannot disappear for two quarters in the SEC and expect to win a lot of football games. Um, now, I read one sports writer talking about Baggett saying, you know, well, he got a couple misses out of his system. Thank goodness, early on. It's like, I hope those are out of his system. I hope that's not an indication yeah. of things to come. Yeah, there's no guarantee that's out of his system. That could just be, uh, you know, how things go. So I got a question for you um, regarding Mock. 
do you think, comparing him to James Franklin last year, who's going to land the most high-quality college trim? Franklin. Franklin. Well, Mark's got a stupid beard right now. I really feel like Yeah, that's going to hurt him stupid, in the trim beard. department. Yeah, he looks like a o- really tiny offensive lineman right now with his stupid, stupid beard. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't – he's only like six foot, and in six foot – they have him like listed at six foot, which means he's actually probably about 5'10". Uh, so he is not what your your prototypical quarterback like. Uh, well, like their quarterback, he was. I wrote it down somewhere. He was literally their the Jackrabbits quarterback, six five, two thirty five. He is everything you would expect a uh, Division one college quarterback to be. He looks the part. He obviously got hurt. The Tigers knocked him out. Uh, well, they didn't early. so much knock him out as he fell in the turf and <laughs> tore his ankle to bits. Um, but yeah, so. Um, well, that's that's an interesting point because I think Mock's got a high upside on the trim department as he yeah. matures. Austin Sumner, the no, name of the yeah. Jacks, yeah. Jackrabbits court, running or quarterback. Yeah, he sort of has every record for passing for the Jackrabbits, and he sadly went down with an injury, and it looks like he'll probably be out all yeah, year. Yeah, he looks like a quarterback. Mock to me just looks, you know, that's why I I question his trim ability <laughs> because it does sort of look like a, a Viking fluffer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the. Uh, well, I mean, not that you have to look the part to be a quarterback. I mean, Sam Bradford looks like he was on the spectrum, basically, and he's you know <laughs> he was a really good quarterback in college. Now, like you know, his his basically his knee explodes, you know, pretty regularly in the NFL. But uh, you know, he he is proof that you don't have to look the part. Um, you know, and then there's Blaine Gabbard, who completely looks the part and is the worst NFL quarterback ever. Blaine's beautiful. He's ever. He's, he's ever, and I mean ever. He's a beautiful man. He is. But I tell you what he's not good at. I'd give him a squeezer. Yeah. <laughs> I think he'd almost be obligated to. He's not good at playing football. It's no. Not, that we can agree not on. Not his forte. But we wish him the best as a backup for the 49ers. I tell you what, we're going to take our first break here, um, and then we're going to get back with some Kansas news. So look forward to that. coming to you now with a segment we like to call Fuck Kansas. It's my favorite segment. Fuck Kansas. So what we're going to do here, we're going to just read you some news that goes on in the state of Kansas. Typical news just happens with um, amongst their populace, the kind of things. Just to give you a taste of um, what, our what, neighbors to the, yeah. Yeah, what our neighbors to the west are up to. So our first story I'm going to read to you. It is out of uh, the KMTV out of Omaha. It's a story about a naked Kansas man raises eyebrows, but not attention of the police. Uh, there's a man walking around Topeka, Kansas, totally nude, but police say he's not breaking the law. Uh, some folks have been upset. Topeka resident Natasha Shamblin says she couldn't believe her eyes when she saw the man. I realized he was butt naked. So anyway, the problem is that there is no ordinance in Topeka that says it's illegal to run around naked. And is so, it really all that rare to see somebody just walking around naked in Topeka? I've never been to Topeka, thank Christ. Well, I think what you usually come across is definitely someone who's not wearing um, shoes or a shirt. Yeah. Uh, but I think the pants would make maybe what made it newsworthy. Maybe this was shocking because most of the time when you see somebody uh, naked or scantily clad in Kansas, they're fucking some sort of farm animal, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Right. And so this, you're taken aback by the fact that 
whoa, this guy's naked, and he's not penetrating an animal. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot of times, even in that situation, the pants will be around the ankles. So Great. That, I'll give you that. Sure. It's not entirely naked. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that's something that happened in the last week in Kansas. And I think, uh, you know, if any Kansas listeners out there, you won't be surprised to hear it. Next story I want to bring to you is, uh, you have something to add? No, no, I'm okay. good. Go okay. ahead. Um, uh, two weeks ago, Kansas man accidentally shot in the backside in his own backyard. Um, and Dale, Kansas, which I'm sure is a lovely town, Kansas authorities say a man has been hospitalized after being shot in the backside by a group of men firing at a tree stump with long-distance rifles. So the man was in his backyard Sunday afternoon when he was hit by a stray bullet. Sedgwick County Sergeant Kevin Berry says the shot was fired from a farm about a half mile away from the man's yard. Five men ages 18 to 20 were shooting without any form of backstop at men a tree at 18 stump. 18 to 20, is, a, is, a, is someone considered a man at 18 to 20? I know well, the law considers you a man. but Definitely in Kansas, I think the marrying age is 13 to 14. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to catch any older. You don't want to get some, some spinster at, at 19. No, definitely not. And, and certainly they stop going to school generally at about 12 or 13 as well. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think it definitely 18 to 20, you've reached maturity. And I think the lifespan is about 40 to 50 I, years. I feel like living in Kansas, you're as likely to have been shot as if you lived in like like the southern side of Chicago. Like, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, there's these gangbangers and stuff who probably all have at least one bullet wound scar, but I feel like in Kansas they've probably a comparable rate. Well, I think the big difference is in Kansas a lot of the the gun related accident or injuries are self inflicted. <laughs> well, who wouldn't want to put a gun in their mouth if they lived in Kansas? Well I I'm not necessarily I don't mean intentionally. Granted, um yeah, I think probably you'd want you'd be more likely to do that. But I think it's a lot of gun cleaning ends up with bullet and foot, oh, um, yeah, yeah. showing child how to use your new semiotic weapon. You know. <laughs> we see how that works out. Yeah, you know, almost makes you think it's not a good idea. Um, <laughs> I think that's sort of the the, the Kansas activity you're going to see. But the third and final story I want to bring up in this segment is uh, the one that intrigued me the most. It was about a man, and this is from the Washington Post. This got outside of the local news. Um, a, a, ma- a man from Kansas um, viewing a crying child on an episode of Game of Thrones was reminded that he had left his own baby in a hot car. Hmm. So uh, way to go, Game of Thrones. Saved a life. Yeah, that's the good show. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm looking at a picture of the guy. and oh, Sadly, shit. it looks a little like Matty Mock. He um, does he's got the stupid beard. Yeah, but he, he, but he does look like he has had... I don't know he probably was one of those kids who stopped going to school at age twelve or thirteen. Yeah. He's wearing a wife beater. I only would like to mention that. Um, but yeah, so um, he avoided um, his child dying by uh, by watching Game of Thrones because I guess he was so eager to see Khaleesi mm-hmm. that uh, that he left the kid in the car. Yeah, and uh, yeah. so that's kind of a good story, kind of uplifting story to leave you on because the the kid was saved. Yeah, that's I, I feel good about. It. I think typically maybe in episodes to come we might actually involve some kansas football in our in our kansas mm-hmm. news no, no, wait a minute fuck kansas speaking kansas football they, they have, do they have a have, program no I they s- have a basketball team think about <laughs> i know but brennan but i know and but you, really even though uh, you watch a lot of college football i really feel like even as, as uh, bad as kansas football is it does exist so but in fact um you do know that kansas football exists and they did play this week which is part of the reason we didn't bring it up um led by you know the giant, fat, blowhard sack of air, Charlie Weiss, and his 
what is his record now, Brendan? I think you looked that up. Um, since oh, well, he took over Kansas, he is now. This is his third year, and it uh, says he's four and twenty. That's four not, and twenty. That's not bad. Yeah, no, I no. I think it's the four is the losses. Ooh, or no wins. Sorry, yeah. Oh yeah, no, that's not good. No, yeah, that's not good so, at all. But um, but a little fun fact for you, um, hearkening back to our talk about South Dakota State. South Dakota State since 2010 has more wins against the Big 12 than Kansas, who is in the Big 12. You know what? <laughs> that's that's crazy on two levels. That one, uh, Kansas has lost that much, and two, that a team that's you know. South Dakota State? How many Big 12 teams were they fucking playing over the past? I mean, it's not like they're in the Big 12. How is that even possible? Well, I think you, you, you clearly they've won. Kansas won four games in total in the last two years. So um, assuming those were preseason games. Um, and they, I guess. Who did, I guess did South Dakota play, State play Kansas and get some pick up some wins that way probably? Well, that would be the easiest way to pick up a Big 12 <laughs> win, surely. I, I don't know. We'll have to look into it. But go, harkening back to that South Dakota State game, we were talking in the break about uh, Colin had mentioned a Texas Tech coach who who'd pulled a guy out from yeah. kicking. And he reminded I, – I didn't know who he was talking about, but then he said, fat piece of shit. And that uh, spurred my memory, Mike Leach. It was yeah. Mike Leach who's now uh, head coach at Washington State. Yeah, I knew he went, went, out, to, went out west. Yeah, uh, was a, was like considered a really good coach for a while, and then kind mm-hmm. of yeah, and uh, got a bunch of controversial shit. Or I don't. Know and I got a little project for you listeners. I'd like you to go Google uh, Mike Leach and Vince Gill, and I think you're going to find uh, wow, they might have been uh, separated at birth. Separated at birth. But anyway, we're going to take another break, and then we're going to get back to you, and we're going to get a little preview into the upcoming Toledo Mizzou game on the road, first road game of the season. Uh, talk to you in a bit. Now we're back with our preview for the upcoming game against uh, Missouri versus Toledo, the Toledo Rockets. So it'll be Missouri's Gary first. Gary Pinkle's former team. That's right. He was coach of Toledo uh, before he came to Mizzou in 2001. And this will be our first road game. And um, it'll be an interesting matchup because, again, like South Dakota State, it should be an inferior team. But they, we may not match up so well against Toledo. Um, the reason being is, obviously, we talked about how our secondary looked fairly weak. And uh, Toledo is definitely a passing team. Their quarterback is a junior transfer from Alabama who last week against um, New Hampshire Wildcats threw for 337 yards and four touchdowns in a 54-20 to victory. So, you know, granted it was against New Hampshire, but they're clearly comfortable passing the ball and hopefully we'll be able to, uh, you know, stop him a little better than New Hampshire did. Well, yeah, the um, but the passing seems to be their forte, and to this point, our defense is uh, pass. Our pass defense doesn't seem to be our forte. Um, if they watch the game film from South Dakota State, they're going to identify um, number eleven on the uh, Mizzou's roster. Penton is that right? Am I saying that right? Yeah, Penton was Penton. So the thing about Penton was South Dakota State identified him rapidly as a weak spot and. In the secondary, and they went back and back and back and back, tried to back to the well, and then deep late into the game, uh, there were two instances where the defense salvaged themselves by um, allowing um, 
deep possessions, and then Pinton caught a interception in the end zone, which is really an overthrown ball, and he looked like the hero and got a big applause, and I thought, well, you son of a bitch, you've been letting them pass on you all day yeah, long. Yeah, alive. Yeah. So. And if, if they've got a good quarterback over in Toledo, and they watch the game film, they're going to identify Pinton as uh, somebody they should go after, and that, that worries me. Um, if this, if the quarterback play from uh, Toledo this week is any indication of what they're capable of, that is that is disconcerting. Cause well, and I think what we're going to find out in the Toledo game, too, is the problems we saw against South Dakota State were they things that they're just knocking off rust and trying to figure themselves out, and they'll be able to fix it in practice after watching some game film, or is it something that's going to plague us all year long? And uh, I think we'll know that after next week. Uh, you heading up to Toledo for the game? No, absolutely not. Yeah, I'm not either. I did go to the, the, the South Dakota State game. That was about a six-minute commute for me. Um, but um, it was also very, very hot. And all the people on the east side of the stands, about halftime, they were gone. The sun was beating down on them. The west side fans were nice and shaded. I couldn't help thinking about the guy in the Truman outfit um, down on the field. It was – I don't know what the temperature got up to. It had to be around 90. <sighs> My thought is, is if you're if – you're, Dumb enough to put that fucking suit on. I just, you know, you know, fucking sweat your balls off. What do you expect? Oh, and he did. I'm sure Th- those that ball sack was a swamp. Yeah, it was. The Florida Gators don't know swamp like that. Trim in the Tiger ball sack. Yeah, Saturday. Well, I and mean, we're getting a little off course here. We're talking about Toledo. That we we. Uh, well, I'm sure they have swampy ball sacks too <laughs> at this time of year. That's true. That's true. But so. Um, do um, in your research on Toledo, they have any running game whatsoever? I feel like the. Even the oh, yeah. running game, that I'm not super worried about it because that's one thing the Tigers were – the run defense was stout. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I've got the feeling some of these numbers were pretty inflated against New Hampshire but because um, I mentioned 337 yards passing. They had 660 total yards on the day, so they were running the ball. They were mixing it up. Yeah. Um, I'm just less worried about us being uh, giving up uh, yards right. on the yeah. run. Um, but they look like uh, for for a smaller school, a um, an offense heavy mm-hmm. team. Uh, well, a lot of times when you get small schools, um, yeah, that's pretty common. That most of the talent goes to the offensive side of the ball. That's 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 pretty well par for the course. Um, yeah, you know, it's hard to tell what we're going to see because a uh, it's early in the season, and b who knows what Toledo's going to bring. And we've only got one game on both from both. It's teams. on the road too, so that's always you know. It's good to play on the road against these small teams because oh, no it's it, we're going to have some tough road games this year. We're going to play at South Carolina. We're going to play at Texas A and M. We're going to play at Florida. Uh, only really challenging opponent that we're bringing in here is Georgia. Uh, everything else that's a tough game will be on the road. So. That kind of rolls us into our next segment where we talk about uh, a little bit of the around the SEC. You mentioned South Carolina, who we're going to have to play this year. I just I just have to say I fucking hate Steve Spurrier. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have dumb eyes. He's got, I don't know what you'd call it, twitchy little piece of shit <laughs> bastard cocksucker eyes. I mean, it's a little wordy, but it... <laughs> I feel like it rolls off the tongue. I feel like that's okay. Yeah. No, he's just a, such a fucking horse's ass. He goes press conferences. I mean, South Carolina's a good football team, and I know it's just coach speak, but, you know, to listen to him talk, you know, fuck, they're the best team ever, always. And every time they lose, he seems to be so ready with a fucking excuse. And it's like most of the time coaches aren't so, you know, they really they internalize it and we lost this game and we we fucked up. And, you know, there's Spurriers are a lot of that. We, we you know, we beat ourselves kind of shit and just refusing to give credit to anyone. 
Always. Let's talk about Gary Pinkle a little bit uh, as far as press conferences go. Uh, Pinkle's a great coach. He's he's a record holder for Mizzou. The, talking to the press, not his strong suit, no, I feel like. No. he He's just so stoic all the time. And I just I just want to like slap him on the back or hand him a beer and say, Calm down, Gary. It's yeah, all good. It's, it's good. You're 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 helming a pretty successful program right now, and that's when, as a coach, you know, you're you there's there's talk about a career with highs and lows. I mean, he's on a high right now. Enjoy oh. it. Yeah, and like, honestly, I'll tell you, he seemed God, but he seemed more relaxed and jovial last year than he ever had. And I, I wonder if you know it was because they were successful or if, anyway, he he's, he seems a little bit back to his old answer the same questions the same old way. Yeah, he's he's full of coach cliches. Why don't we go into our next segment, uh, SEC around the SEC now? Since yeah, so South Carolina, coached by Steve Spurrier, was start there. They played A and M, and that was supposed to be like kind of a slugfest that A and M was not supposed to necessarily come out on the top of. It was supposed to be kind of, you know, it, South Carolina was supposed to put the screws to him a little bit. I feel like SEC opener Thursday night game, national TV at South Carolina. Uh, South Carolina had great recruits. Uh, they. Both teams had lost some of their top talent. Obviously, Johnny Manziel for Texas A&M and Jadavian Clowney yeah. for South Carolina, both going to be playing in the NFL this year. Um, but both having strong teams. But looking at what the teams did last year, how recruiting went, everyone going into this game thought South Carolina was the better team. Well, who knew that Johnny Manziel's backup was better than Johnny Manziel? And maybe that's an overstatement, but I wow. don't know. He, Yeah, it was a coming-out party. Yeah, um, there was not there wasn't a single A and M fan in the stands that night who wasn't fully tumescent watching their new quarterback go to town on um, <laughs> South Carolina's uh, pass defense, and and it never stopped. It was an absolute rout. Um, South Carolina had no answer for the passing game, and uh, it ended up fifty eight or I'm sorry fifty two to twenty eight. Um, and, and the, the game was never in doubt, and, and it had to be just absolutely silent at the and end I, of the game. I, as far as, like I said, South Carolina, I don't have anything against South Carolina, but I hate Steve Spurrier so much. I This win, uh, just getting slaughtered by a just really, really made me happy. I really enjoyed watching that. I um, A couple of things I felt the same way. I mean, obviously the game we had set last year against South Carolina where we lost partially due to Connor Shaw, partially due to – Andrew Baggett. Fuck that guy. Um, and then, so, and obviously we have a mutual hatred for Steve Spurrier. May he rotten to hell. I hope he dies of gonorrhea. I hope, you know, basically he gets mouth cancer and dies. And you know what? Um, it'll be, that'll be in my prayers. <laughs> good, so, good. Um, What's our next game? Well, um, let's see. Let's talk about the Georgia Ar- or Georgia Clemson game. The reason I want to talk about that, they're so we're so lucky to be playing South Dakota State when you talk about Georgia and Clemson having lockhorns in Week One. Yeah, that's what I was talking about earlier. Is that you know we have a lot of things to work out, and these two these other teams are going right after it. Um, the, I'm interested in this game because the ACC, obviously, Florida State won the national championship last year. The only other team who really looked like they might be anything was Clemson and every time they played a decent opponent both South Carolina and Florida State they got their bell rung um, so it made me feel like the ACC was basically Florida State and then nobody else mm. and this year you know they're still expected to be good they're playing an SEC opponent right out of the gate and Georgia shuts them down 45 to 21 it was they were tied at the half 
but they had no answer in the second half. They just ran yeah. out of gas. It's kind of like Georgia, like, okay, now it's time to put our foot on the gas and just pull away. I mean, they were overmatched, but I just feel like I look at some of the matchups in the SEC and just think, God damn, thank Christ we played South Dakota State to kind of work the kinks out. Yeah, and, and, the, and the other reason I want to talk about that is so, so we the ACC, Clemson, played Georgia, the SEC team. They, as well as LSU playing Wisconsin, uh, two big out-of-conference games – and there's a lot of talk about there being an SEC bias in the media. People talk about the SEC being better than they really are. Um, here are two teams from major conferences coming into the SEC in week one and coming out with a loss. And so, shit kicked in. so until these other conference teams come in and, and win in, in against an SEC opponent, I don't think there's really an I, argument. I think that's pure sour grapes. I just really like these, like, you know, just like you get sick of hearing about, you know, People who are really good, I just I think people are sick of hearing about the SEC, so they maybe want to want to chalk up the SEC's you know success, success and, and and reputation to oh it's just all hype, but it's like you know really the SEC has backed it up, um, and I think I, when I, when the Mizzou moved the SEC, I was part of me it was really excited because it was the SEC, and I believed it to be the superior conference and the uh, in the nation, but at the same time I thought holy shit we are you know, walking into Hornets' nest because it's the fucking SEC, and these guys, you know, these guys play for keeps. As to, 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 to a, steal an action action movie cliche. Yeah, that's a nice piece of bullshit talk. <laughs> yeah, um, it is. I, I want to go back one second, back to the A and M game because uh, there's something that really needs to be nipped in the bud. Kenny Hill, the young quarterback who's now at the helm for A and M, who's just going to be an absolute stud. I think people are starting to call him. It looks like online, uh, Kenny Football. And that, Jesus, that's, is that the most uncreative thing oh, ever? Oh, God. I mean, we had to endure Johnny Football and his um, lack of succeeding yeah. um, for so long. And now if, if this becomes a Kenny Football situation, uh, I might flip and root for South Carolina over Texas A&M yeah. in the future. Wow. Uh, but that's, that's a strong statement. Talk. Yeah, yeah, I know. So let, I'm going to switch over to that LSU-Wisconsin game I mentioned earlier. That one was a barn burner, and LSU was – uh, down late and made and, and had 21 unanswered points to come back and win the game versus Wisconsin 28 to 24 and I believe Wisconsin is a good team. I do too. And so Wes Miles, he strikes me as the dumbest cocksucker on the planet. He has dumb eyes. He well, well, obviously, but I mean, I remember watching LSU a handful of years ago and watching a game and just questioning every decision he made going, this guy doesn't know a fucking thing about football and then he just continuously wins. And I'm just like, well, I guess maybe I don't know a fucking thing about football because this guy obviously knows something. But Les Miles is – if Mizzou hired Les Miles tomorrow, I'd be worried. I'd be like, God, this guy seems like a complete fucking moron. Hey, he looks like he's got a hangover all the time. He always wears a big <laughs> oversized gray dumpy sweatshirt to the yeah, game. It's Belichick-esque. Yeah, he just – yeah. But I got to hand it – LSU is always in the hunt. Perennial I, power. Thank God they're in the West. I mean, honestly, more than Alabama, I feel like I would hate to play LSU. Well, Alabama right now is like the pinnacle of the SEC, but I don't know if – well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, Saban's only – they've basically been really good since Saban showed up, but I feel like LSU is um, – has been more consistent for a longer period of time if you don't go back to the Barry Bryant days and shit like that. But, you know, either way, I don't want to fuck with either one of them particularly. No, but let's talk about Alabama. They played West Virginia, and that did not go as they expected either. They 
won the game by 10 points, 33-23, to 23, but they had to scrap. Yeah. West Virginia gave them all they wanted. Saban actually had a reason to be super pissed off in this press conference. You know, where he's <laughs> – when they beat him 70 to nothing, um, and he's, he just seems like the most pissed off guy on the planet in his press conference after the game, after they just drummed somebody. He legitimately had a reason to be, you know, hacked off after this game. Here's what I do not understand about Alabama. They, every year, get – five-star recruits, top recruits in the nation, everybody in the country who can choose any place they want to play football, they, they, Alabama's in their short list. They should win the national title every year. but they And they're in the hunt every year, granted. But you would think a team as, as put together as Alabama versus a West Virginia who, who has a, had a good program but does not get the kind of recruits that Alabama does, how – like why can't why doesn't this team win every game sixty to ten? You know, I, know. I mean that may be. I'm just asking a lot, but well, I know, but but I mean, it's, I have, I, we've had this conversation about the NFL draft. I don't understand. You would think that the advantages of being in Alabama, you would you would rarely lose unless you played another team of that caliber, like an Ohio State mm-hmm. or or Michigan or or you know LSU, Georgia, those types of teams. But here they are, first game of the season, and. They're spooked by West Virginia. I think there's certainly a chance that being Alabama, you're like, we're really fucking good. And so a West Virginia comes in and maybe you just, there's a little bit of overlooking them. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. So in some of the teams on here, um, we've got uh, Kentucky versus UT Martin. Honestly, I I don't give two shits about that game. Uh, Kentucky won 59 to 14, which tells me Kentucky might, uh, you know, you know, they're not a terrible of the terrible teams, they're not that terrible. No. Um, no. Certainly uh, compared to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt Let's yeah. talk about Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. <laughs> yeah. Vanderbilt football, my passion. So we lo- they lost, like us, they lost to James Franklin last year. Unlike us, it wasn't their quarterback, it was their head coach. He went to Penn State. And you think, okay, well, he, he did great things for that program, which doesn't have a lot of success in their history. Uh, but surely they're not going to fall off too much in, in the first year after him. Holy Christ! They got beat by Temple. They got beat thirty-seven to seven. Yeah, it Jay was. Cutler's not coming back, and neither is James Franklin. <laughs> they, it's 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 not looking good, Vandy. It's uh, good thing they're smart because yeah, um, their degree, as far as degrees go within the SEC, is mm-hmm. I mean you're the real winner if you've gone to Vanderbilt when it comes to the diploma. But well, Alabama, I don't think they. I think reading is an optional requirement for graduation. Well, I know it's an optional requirement for enrollment. I don't know about graduate. I think you have to be able to read when you graduate. Mm-hmm. Well, you certainly have to be racist. Well, obviously. So, uh, okay. So we got Vanderbilt who got, you know, throttled by Temple. We got Kentucky who throttled UT Martin. Um, Auburn, Arkansas, that was another game. <laughs> Arkansas has been trying and trying and trying to, to scratch back in, but they go in and they play the national championship runner-up. Auburn and lose forty-five to twenty-one. This is much like the How Georgia. How would you like to play Auburn your first week? Christ, just like the Georgia um, versus Clemson game. Um, Arkansas hung in there for the first half. Yeah, uh, they were knotted up. And the superior talent just yeah. overtakes it, and it's... so yeah, Arkansas comes out of the gate with a loss. Um, for, it doesn't have much implications as far as they're both in the West. Old um, Miss and Boise State. They were on. They were on ESPN national. Yeah, Boise State uh, got beat thirty-five yeah. to thirteen by Ole Miss. A lot of people have high hopes for Ole Miss. Uh, they could could be a lot stronger than last year. Um, I'm not super excited about having to play them. I'm not excited about having to play them either. But honestly, I'm not excited about playing anybody in conference this year. <laughs> no, not particularly. I think that's just the uh, that's the the cross you bear. 
uh, when you where you're in the SEC is you, no no game you're looking at going wow this is going to be a there is no Kansas I mean even for yeah. the Vanderbelts and the Kentuckys of the world I mean I hope Kansas Vanderbelt is such will be an that year visible black hole of football no again we talked about that they have a basketball team <laughs> Brennan I swear to you they do have a football team and okay. it is abysmal black hole of football and you don't get that. You know, like when we're in the Big 12, like, oh, it's Kansas week, so let's yeah. sleepwalk through this game. Free or bye week. Yeah, it's Iowa State, so let's sleepwalk through this game. Ugh. Even the Vandys and the Kentuckys, Iowa you State don't want to go to sleep. Turn of the week. <laughs> yeah. Lord, <laughs> they, got their, they got their bells rung by North Dakota State. Ah, uh, something like that. Anyway, back to, the, back to the SEC. We only have one other game that we didn't mention, which is another who gives a shitter. Uh, Tennessee versus Utah State. That was a 38-7 to drubbing. Of the Utah State, so well, they're going to go back to drink their milk. Yeah, going to go back and drink their milk and try so hard not to masturbate ever. Yeah, and keep their hands off themselves. They want to maintain purity. It must be an awful life to live. It really must be. I mean, I I've masturbated twice since we've started this podcast, and I don't think I haven't noticed. <laughs> this keyboard is a mess. Um, so the, uh, the, and the the last game, the game that wasn't, uh, Florida versus Idaho. So the fans sat around for three and a half hours for this one to get underway, but lightning was in the area. I think for Idaho, they've really got to chalk this up as a victory. Like, thank Christ. I think it's probably the best possible <laughs> yeah, yeah, outcome. outcome for them, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, the, if you'd have told that coach is going to be leaving Gainesville with not a loss. Yeah. No doubt he'd been like, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take it. But you know what? Honestly, as much as we joke, Florida was a train wreck last year. They were an absolute dumpster fire. And uh, I don't know what Idaho is. I'm sure awful. But I'm really curious this year about Florida. And are they going to right the ship? Because if they don't, that coach is dead. And I'm not just talking about fire. They probably will literally murder him. It's possible. They've been known to. They have alligators. They have actual alligators. (laughs) Yeah, they they sure do. Um, Yeah. Must trip. Yeah. He's he's on the... um, on the bubble for sure. They uh, people keep talking. They, they've got Florida above Missouri as far as the the preseason rankings, and that's another one of those things. I think it's just you I'm know, okay with that though. Oh, I'm definitely okay with it, but I think it's just definitely one of those things where the people disregard Florida as a better yeah they've earned that team. But but, but honestly, like. Have we lost so much and that have they gained so much that it's really going to – we kicked the hell out of them. And I'll remind you, Matty Mock was the starting quarterback in that game. It was when James Franklin was hurt, uh, and and he's the one that ripped him a new one. Um, and that's also the game where Michael Sam sacked the quarterback three times and sort of came out to the world. Well, yeah. he came out to the world later, but he, <laughs> yeah. he, he was shown – to be a, yeah, like a, in a big time SEC football, all American caliber up. football player, he right? showed up. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, uh, that's what's going on in the SEC last week. We'll fill you in next week after after the games get going. Then um, I can't wait till conference play. Well, it's not true. I can't wait till conference play. We're going to go to South Carolina, and it could be a scary game. Although they're licking their wounds now after we're playing A and M. Yeah, that's uh, actually I, I don't want them to be coming off of a. Of a, of a butt raping like A&M gave them when we have to play them. Though yeah. I don't want to, you know, have to deal with the, you know, them well, we basically that, like that wounded the, animal. They'll have a couple of weeks to take yeah, that, exactly. take their I violence hope. out on somebody else. But <laughs> I hope but so. But let's take our final break, and then we're going to come back with a little check-in on uh, Tigers in the NFL.
and welcome back. Um, our final segment for the day, we're going to talk about the uh, Mizzou Tigers who are currently in the NFL or are trying to be in the NFL. Uh, it's been an exciting week with uh, a lot of players. It's the final, it was cut week for the NFL to uh, going into week one, find out who's going to be on the squad, who's going to be in practice squads, who's not going to be playing football. And, and mind you, some of this information may not be completely up to date. We're going on what we've got at this moment. Uh, starting out, uh, defensive end Smith makes roster despite Pro Bowl DN talent or D-line talent um, for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Jacquez Smith uh, proved to coaches and front office that he was a talent worth Jacqui. keeping. Jacqui. Jacqui. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not a name I know. Who fucking knows? But anyway, he made the roster, didn't even – not even a practice squad, and that was kind of a, as you, you know, the article would uh, insinuate, that was, I guess, kind of a shock. They've got a lot of talent on their defensive line. I know Buffalo has one of the best defensive lines in the NFL, despite everything else about their team being awful. Um, so that is kind of a, well, congratulations, way to, way to go there. Um, I think probably one I'm disappointed with, but kind of halfway expected, was Henry Josie was cut by the Eagles because he had kind of a nice preseason, had a, a very memorable few runs. Uh, one run in particular, where he ran for like seventy yard touchdown. They got called back on a penalty, but he ran for seventy yards, scored a touchdown, and with one shoe on, it was kind of impressive. But he did get cut. They just have a really heavy, uh, really talented backfield uh, with uh, McCoy and uh, Darren Sproles, and there's a Polk, and there's uh, they're really really deep backfield. But I'm I'm hoping that Henry Josie, and in fact, uh, he got picked up by the Jaguars. They went ahead and signed him and. Uh, he went to their practice squad, so, you know, he's on a roster, and uh, good for him. So, uh, LaDainian Washington was cut by the 49ers. I don't think anybody's super shocked by that. Uh, Marcus Lucas was cut by the Panthers, um, but he was signed to their practice squad. So, Lucas Lucas going to make a check for at least one year in, in kind of the NFL. So... Um, Closer to the NFL than I am. Andrew Wilson was cut by the Dolphins. Dominic Hamilton was cut by Washington. Kip Edwards was cut by the Buccaneers. James Franklin was cut by the Lions. Um, There's a lot of Mizzou names in the cut. cut. Well, Chase Coughlin, here's a name from a few Chase years Kaufman. back. Chase Kaufman, yeah, he uh, was cut by the, the Titans. Um, I really feel like his only contribution in the NFL was being on hard knocks when the Bengals <laughs> were on and just the coaches just raving him for being a complete shitbag. He didn't love to block. Um, no, he sure didn't. God, he was such a good tight end for the Tigers. It's, I really thought he'd be good in the NFL. I thought, oh, here's a big receiving tight end any team could use, and he was just like, just did dick. He was a horse. Yeah, he... Yeah, you just never know in the NFL. So, but I mean, you haven't mentioned two of the top stories. Yeah, I've kind of been I'm burying the lead here a little bit, and that is first, I think with Alden Smith suspended for nine games, one of the more successful football players yeah, Mizzou's ever put out. Violating personal conduct policy again. Uh, yeah. This guy cannot stop driving drunk and uh, you know, deal, just smoking weed and being a complete fucking idiot, basically. Yeah. Oh, God, what a disappointment. He is. So let's talk about discipline for a second. This is a little off track. Uh, who's, who's our, uh, was it Ray Rice? Who are we talking about that, that recently was? Yeah, uh, Ray Rice, two, two games for, you know, no, smack around but, old lady. But, but, so after Ray Rice did that, the NFL revisited their, um, their, Six games and then out. Their new policy for yep. uh, domestic offense, disturbances. Yeah. So first, first offense, six games. Second offense, Fucking banned. You're out. And, and Do not what, hit your old lady. Am I incorrect? And there was already a player who has been... Uh, McDonald for the 49ers. Yeah. He and, has been charged. And his 
his um, suite of kins that he was beaten on is uh, pregnant, allegedly. Oh, gotcha. She was pregnant. And I think the actual the NFL rule specifically mentions circumstances where you're hitting someone who is pregnant. So, I mean, they've thought this That's out. That's pretty specific. And let me just opine on this for a second because maybe maybe he thought he could be grandfathered in on that policy because uh, the NFL has been uh, one of the more permissive places to work in the United States for beating your girlfriend. Um, because I feel like if I were to beat well, yeah, my... like Chad Johnson, like it was like a year or two ago when he was just getting out of the league, but basically it was his wife or soon to be ex-wife or something like head butted her and stuff. And it just went away. I, it's amazing how permissive it has been. And it, I'm not going to say they encouraged it, but they certainly did not discourage this horrible behavior. <laughs> and it continues now, even after they have the, probably the most strict punishment, um, guidelines for any, um, you know, offense that you might have two offenses and you're out of the league permanently. It's unbelievable. I'm, that they continue I'm, a, I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties, so I'm not a child like these men are. I mean, in, but you're not are, yet a man. That's, no, well, that's let's 40. not argue that. I, I admit that. You're, you're I not Jeff Gundy. That. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a 40 yet. But, um, what I'm saying is, is that I understand when I was, well, what is Alden Smith now? 26, yeah. something like that, probably. But these guys are in their younger 20s, and I was no angel. But I just feel like I was smarter than this. Do you know what I mean? Just, good God, I, you cannot get all tanked up and get behind the wheel of a car and just drive around and just smoke well, weed. Well, I like think we've learned from the NFL you can do it. <laughs> well, if you don't want to continue to play football, well, let's, you let's can. move on because I've really taken us off track. We're supposed to be talking about Tigers in the, in the league. It's certainly no question so that they're stupid. The the, uh, the talking about bearing the lead. The last one we'll we'll probably bring up is the one everybody wants to know about, and that is Michael Sam, mm-hmm. um, the first openly gay uh, NFL football player drafted by the Rams in the seventh round, and uh, he did not make the Rams. He after I think a strong was, preseason. Yeah, I think there was some real hope after the first round of cuts where they do a they cut a bunch of people in those first round, and he he survived that. He was going up against an unre- undrafted. Uh, Rookie free agent, uh, I can't remember Westbrook. the first name. Westbrook was the name, and he he basically beat Sam out. Um, I really believe that um, Sam not making the the Rams roster was a football decision. Oh yeah, but the fact that he did. has cleared waivers mm-hmm. and is not landed on a single practice squad at this point is absolutely. People just wanting to avoid the distraction. I don't think it's homophobia for the sake of homophobia. I don't think the people that go, I don't want a gay guy on my team. I think they're going, I don't want ESPN cameras in my locker room every 15 minutes talking to my third on the depth chart defensive end who only plays on special teams every fucking week of the season. Perhaps, but at the same time, I, I don't th- – I mean there's so much – talk about – we were just talking about all the domestic uh, – Violence. There's so many things that are "quote unquote" distractions in this league, and I think it's it's a cop out. Um, clearly, he through the three preseason three for the pre-season. for the preseason for the Rams, he was not a problem. The only problem that occurred was ESPN having some dumb story about his showering habits. Um, yeah, he but, clearly it was not a disturbance for Mizzou in the in college. I think that's a cop out for these teams. I I it is surprising to me that he wasn't picked up, especially look you look at a 49ers team who. Is losing Alden Smith, offensive lineman, left and right, a defensive lineman, defensive lineman. Sorry, and um, and they could clearly use him. And, and then we talk about you know the the politics of it. Um, playing in San Francisco is probably one of the more. I'm not joking. It's probably one of the Shangri-La. It's one of the. <laughs> 
he would be as accepted in, in a San Francisco. Yeah. Go to Seattle, community. go to San Francisco. Those places, will, those places will have you for sure. And St. Louis embraced him. I mean, there's oh. a lot of places he could play. And, and but Fisher went on t- television saying he was not in any way a distraction. You know, no, and, and Fisher was an advocate for him. The uh, um, I think. I really feel like, like I said, I know I've talked to you about this. Uh, I'm a, as, as in addition to being a uh, Tiger fan, I'm an avid Chiefs fan, and they were had a player from Alabama named Wallace Gilberry, who was basically a third down defensive end who just just came in to rush the passer on third downs, and um, was really a good football player uh, in that small role, a specialized role that every NFL team needs. Now, the moron that is Scott Pioli uh, eventually let him go, and he's all he's done since then is sack people in Cincinnati for the Bengals and get a new contract and continue to be an awesome player. But that's an, Pioli being a complete cockbag is another podcast. But uh, I was wondering how long it would be before you broached into Kansas City Chiefs cursing Scott Pioli. <laughs> anyway, um, but Wallace Gilberry has made a career, a very successful career, doing exactly what Michael Sam, I think, could do in the NFL, and that is being a, uh, a third down rush end uh, to go sack the quarterback. I mean, I don't think anybody has any misconceptions that Michael Sam is going to be Alden Smith or some very versatile football player at the NFL level. He just doesn't have that sort of athletic ability, but he does have the ability to get off the edge and get to the quarterback, and every team needs that. Every team has guys on their team specifically for that purpose, like a Wallace Gilberry, and Sam could be that guy, and I really feel like, like I said, I feel like the Rams not keeping him because they were so deep at defensive line was a football decision, but the fact that he is not on a roster at this point is just horseshit. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, and, and you know, he may be, end up on a practice squad. He may sit out for a year. May in the CFL. I don't know, but but we'll probably hear a lot more about Sam. But uh, that I can promise, we will hear more about Sam. So let's. Uh, that's probably going to end the show for today. But I want to point out to where you can find us on uh, on our website. We're at www. Dot mizodcast. That's m i z z o d c a s t. dot com. And uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Send us a message. Uh, we're at Mizodcast. Or email us at Mizodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email Colin or I, his Twitter is at Ruby, R-U-B-Y, 92879. And I am at Brendenstein, B-R-E-N-D-O-N-S-T-E-E-N. So please send us a message. Send us an email. We'd love to read it on the air. Uh, we'd like to hear your feedback and questions. let us know how questions. terrible we are. Yeah, send us some questions. Uh, we know we've done a terrible job. Yeah, and, that's uh, given. But, and and here's, here's our promise to you. We're going to come to you every week with some of the worst audio equipment available. <laughs> Absolutely. And give you some of the least um, educated analysis in college football. That's that's without question. Without question. That is our promise to you. Yeah, it's a solemn vow is what it is. So thanks for tuning in to our very first episode. We look forward to um, coming back to you again. Maybe Brian Goers will yeah. be back with us. That so, torn la- oh, yeah, that, that's torn a bad la- injury. Yeah, yeah. yeah ten, usually you're out three to six weeks with that, but hopefully he's a gamer and he can, yeah. he can limp in. Yeah. And so uh, maybe we'll hear a little out of him. Uh, like I said, he's got a lot of fo- college football coaching experience. It would be good to have him in the Yeah, in the, I'd appreciate hot seat. His, his opinion on things. Yeah. So anyway, thanks. Thanks again for tuning in. I'm Brendan Steenbergen. I'm uh, Colin Steenbergen. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Go Tigers! Go Tigers!